Lord, as we now spend time in your word, we do declare that your word is the basis on which we live our lives, and we declare that what is written in your word, we want to obey. I pray that we would not only be Holy Spirit people, but that we would be Bible people. Holy Spirit, would you please speak through me, and may this be an impactful time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please turn to Romans 13, chapter 1. Acts, Romans. Romans 13 and chapter 1. Now, the title of the message this morning is A Godly Attitude Towards Human Government. A godly attitude towards human government. And as we look at, basically we're going to look at three scripture passages today. First in uh, Romans, then in 1 Peter, then in 1 Timothy. Uh, Let's allow God's word to really speak to us. Let's allow God's word to really speak. Now, Romans 13 verse 1 reads as follows in the New King James Version. It says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. I'm speaking about this obviously in the light that this coming Wednesday we will have our national elections. It says, For there is no authority except from God, And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. That's quite something. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. See what I mean about letting the word speak to us. Verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he, that's the authority, is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister. That's what the Bible says, that the governing authorities, they're God's ministers. And it says, for he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Lately, they're getting better and better at it in terms of collecting tax. Verse 7, Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs are due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor is due. There's basically three things I want to say today, three things I want to touch on. And the first is this, number one, that's an interesting point, be a good citizen and have a good attitude. 
Won't you ask the person next to you if they have a good attitude to the government? Won't you check with them? Do you have a good attitude to the government? I'm not sure what is being said right now, but it sounds quite interesting from up here. Point number one, be a good citizen and have the right attitude. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that you can be a good Christian and a bad citizen at the same time? (laughs) Interesting. Do you think you can be a, a good Christian and a bad citizen at the same time? No, the answer is undoubtedly no. Now, let me say that as Christians, we are not at liberty to have a bad attitude towards government. We are not at liberty to have a bad attitude. Our attitude needs to be biblical and respectful. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't differ with government. We can't have different points of view. But if we are to differ, we have to do so respectfully in all due respect. Now, as I began to look at these three scriptures that we're looking at today, I really, I was just looking and reading the scriptures, I really began to be challenged in my own heart. You say, John, why? You got a bad attitude? What's Well, I realized that I definitely had room for improvement. <laughs> Rodney, why are you looking at me like that? But I, I probably am the only one here. So I'll preach to myself. I'll preach to myself. Now, come on, be honest. Tell the truth and shame the devil. How about you? (laughs) You know what? I'm of the opinion if we could do some sort of a secret vote and read everybody's minds, come up on the screen, we would see that there's a lot of room for improvement. Thank you. I'll take that one. Do I have another one? And so I really began to be a little bit challenged in my heart. I haven't had a a bad attitude, but there's definitely been room for improvement. As I began to read the scripture, I began to realize that God expects a certain kind of outlook, a certain kind of mindset from us as Christians. And maybe we've been falling short of it, short of what God had in mind for us in terms of our outlook, our mindset, our attitude. And maybe there's something that God wants to touch on today, not only in my heart, but also in yours. In um, 1994, we as a family, my mom and dad and my, my brothers and I, we had the privilege of going to America. We were on about a six-week holiday in the United States. And it was my dad's dream to have this family holiday. And uh, he had worked his money carefully to be able to afford it. And it was the one and only time we all went overseas together as a family. 
We had a great time. We, we saw many of the wonderful sights in America, the Grand Canyon, and ah, a whole bunch of sights and beautiful places, and visited the Mouse Revival, Disney World, and all of that. We had a great time. And we actually did something like about 45 flights in, in, in that whole time that we were there. We had this Delta Pass and we were just cruising everywhere. And if you want a free meal, you just jump on the plane and fly to a hub and fly back and get some meals and so on. <laughs> but in any case, while we were there, we were really impressed by the level of passion that the people in America have for their country. They have a tremendous patriotism. I think South Africa's got something to learn in regard to this. I can remember we would drive past many homes, just ordinary homes in America, and they would have a flag outside, the American flag, hanging outside their house. You know, in South Africa, if you do see that, it's probably a fear clear. <laughs> or blue bull flag. No shocks. And, sorry, just ushers, please take that shock supporter out! Out! Please review his membership, thank you. And, <laughs> so, we were really impressed. And I remember we were visiting our cousins there, and they had little kids, and they were singing in the back of the car, Oh, Star Spangled Banner, and they were singing, America, America, you know? And uh, I was thinking, wow, this is something different. This is a country that really has a sense of patriotism. And you say, John, that's fine. If our country is perfect, then I'll be patriotic. You know what? You can't wait for your country to be perfect before you're going to have a great attitude towards it. I'm not suggesting you have to put up a flag outside your house. At the moment, it might look a little strange. But you know what? I do think that we can learn something in terms of having a, a good attitude, having a sense of ownership of our country in a positive way. There's no such thing as a perfect government. All governments make mistakes and commit offenses. Obviously, there are different levels of offense. We, however, as Christians, have a responsibility to display an attitude towards government that honors God. Be a good citizen and have the right attitude. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, have the right attitude towards this country. Come on, say it to them. Look in, look in the eyes. Have the right attitude. Now, I'd like to deviate for a moment. I can see the attitudes are already changing. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. That was quick. Now, I want to deviate for a moment talk a little bit about government's role. Essentially, government has a threefold purpose. Number one, to protect protection. The moment Adam sinned, it became obvious that people would need a form of restraint, restraint to protect them from themselves. The bottom line is we hurt each other. 
And sometimes when you cross a certain line in terms of the level of that hurt, authorities have to step in and protect that person from hurt. Another role of government is punishment. Government has the responsibility to punish criminals. There's a proverb which says, a wise king stamps out crime through harsh punishment. The Bible definitely makes it clear that the government is there to punish. And in 1 Peter 2.14, it says that the authorities are given for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. So the authorities protect. The authorities punish. The authorities also promote. Human government is instituted by God to promote the well-being of its community, to promote the well-being of society. Uh, And along with that comes the development of infrastructure and roads and dams and building um, uh, the infrastructure network, the telecommunications network, providing services, determining policies, promoting trade, promoting import and export, and having the right kind of policies in place for the promotion of the well-being of the community. So government has a threefold role, protection, punishment, and promotion of the well-being of the community. But now, let's carry on with, with point number two now. Number two, live responsibly as a citizen. Please turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. I'd like everybody to please turn there. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13 to 17. And in these few verses of Scripture, there are a number of keys which I find quite interesting as you look at them and pick them out here. 1 Peter 2 and verse 13 says the following. It says, Therefore, submit yourselves to every institution of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him, the king, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Government also should specifically be praising the achievements, the accomplishments of people in the country that are doing good. Verse 15, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, that's you and me doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as servants of God. Then look at verse 17. It says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. I'm sure you'll agree with me. Reading scriptures like this really speaks to our heart. I'm sure it is challenging your heart this morning. In that little section we've read, a few things I'd like to highlight. One of them is submission. Verse 13 says, Submit yourselves to every institution of man for the Lord's sake. I'm going to ask you this morning, how are you doing in terms of being submitted to the ruling authorities in this nation? The Bible says that if we're going to have a godly attitude towards human government, 
we will have an attitude of submission. Another aspect we see in this verse is doing good. That speaks of an honorable life. In verse 15 it says that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. In other words, our lives should be an example. Out of the whole, let's say the whole electorate in South Africa, the Christians should be clear-cut examples of good people. Doing good. Another thing that comes out here is serving. It says in verse 16, as servants of God. I believe that as Christians, we should be serving in our community. There are a number of people in this congregation today who serve in different capacities or community policing forums or ward councillors or councillors in government or involved in some community activities. And to me, this is actually based on the scripture biblical, that we would be serving, that we would be seen not to be the ones that stand back and do nothing, but our salt and light would be evident in terms of serving. Now, not everybody is going to serve on a, a community forum or something like that, but there's many that can. And I believe maybe there's a responsibility for us as Christians to get more involved in these kinds of things because we are influential, we are salt, we are light, and it needs to rub off in these environments. Another aspect we see in that scripture in First Peter is respecting all people. And it says in verse 17, it says, Honor all people. Honor all people. You know what this means? That there is no place for racism in our hearts as believers in this country. There's no place for racism. As a country, we do come out of a serious history of being segregated, a serious history of apartheid. I can remember when I was just a little chokerki of five or six years old on the beach down in East London, my grandpa was, was with me, and we saw the Pekinins coming onto our beach. And my grandpa told me, go chase the Pekinins off our beach, the little black kids, because it's a white beach. It's our beach. Oh, everyone's deathly silent all of a sudden. But can you believe we, we came out of a country like that? Now, my grandpa was, was a God-fearing man. But he was influenced by a wrongful ideology, a sinful ideology. But the Bible says there's no place for racism. There's no place for saying, well, this is my beach and you get off. This is my country, you get out. No, no, no. The Bible says, honor all people. I think we can grow in this area in South Africa as a whole to honor all people. Another aspect which we see in this verse is respecting our president. It says in verse 17, it says, Honor the king, lowercase k. This is not talking about the king of kings. This is talking about if you have a country where a king's leading the king. If you have a country where there's a prime minister, the prime minister. If there's a president, the president. The Bible is actually talking to you and me, sir, man, that we would honor our president and that we would respect our president. 
you say, well, maybe the Bible, and when the Bible was written was in times where people were much more good. But you know what? Romans 13, which we read a little bit earlier, was written by Paul. And when Paul wrote it, history records that the evil emperor Nero was on the throne at that time. And even though he was on the throne, Paul was saying, we need to be submissive to the authorities. And so it's very important that we respect our leader of the nation. We can respectfully disagree with certain things, but whoever is going to end up leading our country, we need to respect. Living as a responsible citizen also refers to things like paying your bills, paying your licenses, paying taxes, and also voting. How many of you are ready to vote this Wednesday? Raise your hand if you're ready to vote. Okay, wonderful. From the church's side, we formally request of you and encourage you, if you're an eligible voter, to vote. I was chatting to one of the young adults in the congregation just recently, and uh, I was speaking to this guy. He's about 26, 27, somewhere around there. And I was inquiring, this was at the time of the previous round of registration, if he was ready to vote. And he said to me, no, he's, he's never voted. He's not registered to vote. And he's not really bothered by that. And I was like flabbergasted. He had my middle wicket kind of thing. I'm thinking, what? You know, take up your responsibility and vote. Uh, the voting age is 18, am I right? And so I want to say that if you've got a South African ID and if you're registered, you need to go and vote. And I speak to all the, the younger people sitting over here. If you're of age to vote, you better vote. Alistair, Etienne, will you check up on them, please? That they're going to be voting. So, point number three. We have the all-important task of praying for the authorities. Point number one. Be a good citizen and have the right attitude. Point number two, live responsibly as a citizen. Now number three, we have the all-important task of praying for the authorities. Please turn to 1 Timothy. That's going a little bit back in your Bible. This is the last scripture that we're going to look at. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 to 3. The scripture speaks very clearly. It says, Therefore, I exhort or encourage, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all who are in authority. Paul is saying that we need to pray, we need to intercede, we need to supplicate, we need to give thanks for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet life and a peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. The scripture is telling us, quite simply, that actually God expects us to pray. 
God expects us to pray for the governing authorities, for the government, for the rulers that rule over us. He expects us to pray for them. It actually would seem that it is not just up to us to choose if we would like to, but we need to let the Word speak to us today. And we need to be encouraged through the Word today which says that we need to pray. And I was thinking, why is our country not in better condition at the moment? And I thought to myself, could it be perhaps because the church has not prayed enough? Could it be? And then I thought, I wonder if everybody in this auditorium, individually, if you were to put together the times that you have spent praying for the government, I wondered if it could make up three hours. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm But I just thought of the average Christian person. Could we, if we added up those little times of praying for our nation, could it make up three hours? And if we can't with confidence say, yes, and more, then maybe we need to begin to realize that God's actually talking to us <laughs> through His Word today. And He's saying, we have a responsibility to pray. I was chatting with a gentleman in my office a little while ago, and um, he's in the service today. And this person told me, we weren't even talking about elections or anything like that, but this person told me how he made it his personal mission to pray for the president of the country. I see him sitting down here close to the front. And I thought to myself, well, that's good. And when he said it to me, it was not at a time of a lot of political movement and so on. He just said, he told me, he said, I've made it my personal mission to pray for the top man in our country, for the president in our country. And I, I take my hat off to that man, and I agree that we do need to pray. What do you pray for? We need to pray that our leaders would hold their office in godliness and in honesty. Today, at the start of the service, we spent some time praying for the authorities. Over these next few days, may we urge one another, may I urge you right now to be praying, to be prayerful. Don't be lazy. Come on, folks. We've got